0: Welcome to the Nigel Lee Archive, brought to you by Living Leadership, where every fortnight we share with you a sermon from the late Nigel Lee to encourage you in your walk with the Lord. Here's today's message. Now, I have a question to ask you. Um, How many homes have you, different homes, have you lived in? Start counting, because I want to ask you. I
1: don't mean places that you've just sort of temporarily parked in. I mean real homes that you've lived in. Anybody in their life been more than ten? Oh yeah, yeah. (laughs) Let's, let's push it out. Well, you guys in the, in the RAF, you're gonna be, uh... yeah.
0: Alright, David, how many have you lived in? Sixteen. Anybody top sixteen? Whoa, yeah, Carl. Carl,
1: yes, and at the back, Mike. Uh, how many, Mike? Twenty-four different
0: homes. You rent these, and then that the uh, the time comes and you have to move on, or what what happens? Twenty-four. Anybody beat twenty-four homes? I think that's the record. Well done. Um, Can you turn to Psalm ninety? Psalm ninety. If you'd like a Bible, you just put your hand up now, and one will mysteriously
1: appear in your hand. There's a a number needed. Somebody at the front. And it is page 599 in our church Bible.
0: Page 599, and it's Psalm 90. So let's read. Lord, you have been our dwelling place, our home, throughout
1: all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the earth and the worlds, From everlasting to everlasting, you are God.
0: You turn men back to dust, saying, return to dust, O sons of men. For a thousand years in your sight
1: are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. You sweep men away in the sleep of death. They're like the new grass of the morning,
0: though in the morning it springs up new, by evening it's dry and withered. We are consumed by your anger,
1: and terrified by your indignation. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. All our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. The length of our days is seventy years, or eighty if we have the strength. Yet their span is but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. Who knows the power of your anger? For your wrath is as great as the fear that is due to you. Teach us to number our days aright, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Relent, O Lord, how long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love, that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we have seen trouble. May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to their children. May the favor of the Lord our God rest upon us, establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. The title we've given this morning, um, uh, and to this psalm, is reflections on a lifetime. And I want to make it quite clear at the outset, this is Moses' lifetime, not, not mine. I'm not getting sort of morbidly autobiographical with you. This is the only psalm that we have uh, that we are told Moses wrote it. Moses wrote a number uh, of other songs and pieces of poetry. You can find them in Exodus and Deuteronomy and so on. Great poetry, very rhythmic, even in, in translation. But this is the only psalm that we have that is said to be by Moses. And he's looking back from a great age. He reached the age of 120, having led God's people for a very long time. And he'd always been on the move, shepherding, moving with the flock from place to place, back into Egypt, taking the people out, moving with them up to the border of the land that God had promised all those hundreds of years before to give them. And then, because of their unbelief, their failure to, to really grasp what God had said, I want to give it to you. And they said, no, we don't believe you can. They'd then gone back into the wilderness for another 38 years of wandering from place to place.
0: And he had looked forward to the promised land. To living there. But it was not to be. God had said, you may look in from the top of a very
1: high mountain. You may look west over the Jordan, in from the desert but you're not actually going to go there. And as Moses looks back over his life,
0: and the battles, and the travelling, and the different places, and the fact that he's not going to make the promised land, he, he writes this psalm that, saying that our real home is not actually a place at all. It's God. Our real, ultimate home is God, and always has been. Now, let's think a little bit. What does home mean to you? I know some people, and it means the place where you take all your dirty washing at the end of term. And
1: miraculously and mysteriously, it appears fragrant, and ironed, and clean. You don't know how it happens. You sleep while it happens. (laughs) And you wake up after a day or two, and there it all is, the miracle of our time. Home is the place where there's always something in the fridge that you can eat whatever time you come in or whatever time of night you get up. Home, for some people, is is
0: the place of rest after hard work. That's the people who work away from home. For other people, home is where the hard work happens. The place of recovery and refreshment. Resources are there. It's a place of friendship and enjoyment. Home. And Moses... Um, reflecting back on his life, what's happened to, my, to the screen? We're just trying to find out. Well, we're going to have some fun in a minute because uh, I'm going to
1: keep going and uh, we will then have what we have prepared on the screen and what I'm saying completely out of sync. It's a very postmodern way of communicating. <laughs> Absolutely no connection between the various visual stimuli. One of the visual stimuli will be watching Dave's legs run around underneath the screen. But anyway, if all else fails, we're back to the old apostolic system of merely somebody preaching. (laughs) We We believe it can work. Moses is looking back, reflecting on how God has designed the whole of life so that there are two... Unavoidable things that um, are always raising the question for you, where do you belong? Where really is your heart? Where's where's your home? And those two things are, one, the brevity of life, and two, the certainty of judgment. And if you look back into your psalm, you can see very quickly, the first he's touching from verses 3 to 6, and the second he's touching from verses 7 to 11. Let me look at those with you for a moment or two. Verses three to six. Moses reflecting as an old man
0: on how quickly life has gone, and he says three things about it. He talks about the impermanence of life. God had said in the Garden of Eden, "Adam, Eve, I, I scooped you up out of the ground. dust you are." God took ground and moulded it and breathed life into it. I am your creator. You're utterly dependent upon me. And because you've turned your back on me, and you don't
1: want to know me, and you're determined to go your own way, well dust you are,
0: and to dust you will return. And God barred the way in the Garden of Eden so that they could not then eat of the
1: tree of life. We are designed to live eternally. If Adam and Eve had eaten from the tree of life, they would have continued to live forever. Now, the only possibility of continuing to live forever as God intended is to come back to our Creator in repentance and faith and begin, as it were, spiritually to eat of the tree of life all over again. Life is is very impermanent. It's also
0: very brief. If a thousand years... In the sight of God, it's just like a day. Then work it out for yourself.
1: Our seventy years, it is a matter of no more than an hour or two in God's sight, as it were. It's impermanent, it's brief, he says in verse 4, and in verses 5 and 6 he talks about how easily life can be destroyed. I remember reading somewhere of a, a sign that was up in a labor ward in a hospital. Um, I suppose it was there to, you know, comfort or encourage the nurses. the first three minutes of life are the most dangerous. And someone else in biro had written underneath, the last three minutes are pretty dodgy too. (laughs)
0: Life can be very fragile. Steve, who's playing for us
1: um, in the band today, only a few days ago, driving back to a hotel
0: on a business trip to Germany, and a car went right through a red light, hit a motorbike, and as far as Steve knew, the guy was killed by Just in front of him. Impermanent, brief, and potentially absolutely fragile. And we face this all the time. And the psalmist says, we
1: are like green shoots that that spring up in the morning. You imagine a a Middle Eastern environment. They spring up, they look fresh and tender, and by the end of a searingly hot day, they're droopy and brown. And that's like
0: us, he says. That's what life is like. The Anglican prayer book, I brought up an Anglican and um, came out from among them.
1: Um, But the Anglican prayer book appoints Psalm 90 to be read uh, at funeral, this particular psalm, to remind the living of where home really is. Paul says in, in 2 Corinthians 5, thinking in that letter of how soon potentially his own life might be ended, he says, frankly, you know, I would rather be at home with the Lord. It's a
0: wonderful phrase. It's a good phrase to have printed on your tombstone. At home, with the Lord. And the longer people live as men
1: and women of faith, they're they're starting to hear God speaking to them through his word. They're starting to respond with honesty and, and repentance and faith. They begin to discover that the Lord that they are getting to know, who lives in heaven, has a place for them which their own heart attachment and affection shifts towards. And you begin to sense and know deep in your being That it is with the Lord that is home. Paul, no doubt, had been meditating at some stage on this psalm. And he picks up this idea of home being where the Lord is. Frankly, I'd rather be at home with the Lord, said the Apostle Paul. The brevity of life. But secondly, the certainty of judgment. Verses 7-11 to say, if life is fragile and impermanent, then how quickly will we face God? And he begins to to say, well, he knows our secret sins. He knows what we're really like. Even things that people um, closest to us might only dimly suspect. He made us. And we're answerable to him. And these two things in life, the fact that we know that it could end very quickly,
0: and the fact that we all have consciences, we, we know that we're answerable to our Creator. Those
1: two things together make Moses start to reflect. And from verses um, 12 down to the end of, of the psalm, Moses begins, it, the whole tone of the psalm changes, and he begins to ask the Lord for things. If you've got the text open in front of you, notice the opening um, word or two of each of the verses from 12 onwards. Teach us. Relent, O Lord, satisfy us, make us glad, may your deeds be shown,
0: may the the favour of the Lord rest upon us. In other words, he starts to, to say, well, if life is like this, then please, Lord, in the time that I've got, do these things for me in answer to prayer.
1: He's thinking about time and eternity, and the old man has distilled these five prayer requests. Again and again, you see, through the psalm, you've got time references. Days and mornings and and years and and the, the,
0: the night watch and so on. And if the thing is passing, just like this, then, Lord, please, these five things. Number one, teach us to become wise in our thinking about the passing of time. It's going. Teach me, Lord, to be wise. So often, isn't it true to <clears throat> your experience it's just to mine, that God nudges you about things. Tries to provoke you to think in a certain way or to respond in a certain way.
1: Do this or develop that in your life or whatever. And we respond like this. We say, what a
0: good idea. I must get round to that sometime. And that's the end why don't you get more familiar with the Bible? Yes, that's a brilliant idea. Why don't you get established in a,
1: a more regular, satisfying pattern of prayer, rather than just this sort of
0: bless this mess business as you rush out the door in the morning? Why don't you sort out your pattern of giving
1: financially, meeting various needs and responsibilities, and in relation to how much
0: God has given you? Why don't you take... That new step in Christian service, teach Sunday school, go on a mission trip, get these things into your life's story, and we say, yeah, yeah, hmm, I must. That'll be a good idea. I do that sometimes. May the Lord give you wisdom about the way life is ticking over. Teach us, O Lord, says
1: Moses. To remember that life is briefer than we may think. If we don't get down to things, the chance will pass, and that we are accountable to the Lord.
0: May we have wisdom about the life that God has given us. To invest wisely. To live energetically. To be, as Moses was, a wise servant of the Lord. Secondly, in verse 13... He starts to pray,
1: relent, O Lord. Literally, turn back. not interesting? Because in verse 3, he said, Oh God, you turn people back to dust. You return them to the ground from which they came. Lord, now, you turn back to us, please. It's a prayer for God's forgiveness, God's mercy, God's patience. May our sense of our need for that increase. Turn back to it. Relent. Have compassion. Be merciful. And then, the third thing that Moses prays, in verses 14 and 15. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love, uh, says the NIV. What a
0: prayer. I want to be satisfied with my experience of the love of God. Under that. Sometimes, do you, I'm sure you do, you look at a married couple or an engaged couple and and you gauge um are they happy today? Do they um do they look a bit frosty? Is one don't sit there looking so smug, Chris. <laughs> For the benefit of the strangers, Chris um is not in the position of um
1: Well, he's in the position of being able to switch off at this point, shall I put it like that. And he's looking extraordinarily pleased
0: with himself. But sometimes you you look at people, and and one looks a bit grumpy with the other. Is this not true? I often get this experience.
1: (laughs) But look at Paul McCartney, was it yesterday or the day before, on the the telly. Radiant. But do you remember those... um, frosty
0: evils that that Diana used to give Charles uh, in the days long ago. You do, I can see the odd smile on your face. Moses here is talking about his
1: relationship with God at a very intimate level. And he's saying, may I be satisfied? Teach me how. Help me to be
0: wise and sensitive. May I be satisfied with how it is between God and me. So that I'm not like those green shoots that
1: wither, starting off so so green and fresh,
0: but actually becoming seared and dry, as, as the day goes on, with God. May I be one of those who is satisfied with the love of God and joyful therefore and glad all my day." That ultimate relationship, may it go well. And then he asked in verse 16, a fourth thing, he asked for a revelation of God working, doing things. Often it seems to me
1: we slog along in life with its mixture of duties and responsibilities,
0: Not at all sure, really, what God is up to. And Moses has learnt to pray a very interesting prayer. To see, somehow, by revelation, perhaps,
1: more, of what God is actually doing. Time is passing. Life is uncertain. Sin is a reality. My ultimate destination is secure. Help me now, as as the days go
0: by, to see more of what you're doing, in my children, perhaps, or through my witness at work, in our family, in our church, in our nation. Open my eyes, Lord, please. May your deeds be shown to your servants, Really see your splendor to their children. And then finally, in verse 17, Moses asks, may the things that we do have
1: lasting impact and value. Even though there's a sense in which life is is short. May what we do be so guided by God. May it take on God's eternal qualities.
0: Uh, not my temporal ones. May my life have eternal effects. That's basically what he's praying. When you think back to Moses' life, what an astonishing thing he achieved to bring people of Israel out of Egypt, through the wilderness, revelation of the law, the old covenant, so
1: many experiences which not just the old covenant people, but the new covenant people as well, are urged to learn from and feed on and so on. May my life, my witness, um, my helping of the the bride of Christ along to being somehow more understanding, more pure, more ready, may that work have an eternal impact. I remember um, being baptized uh, when I was at college. And, you know, we have the, the custom still, well, if somebody gives you a, a verse, and they, they sort of re- read a verse over you uh, as you're about to be baptised. And uh, and then it was written out on a piece of paper and sort of handed to me afterwards. And, and the verse that was given
0: to me uh, was 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. Be steadfast, be unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing...
1: That your labour in the Lord is not in vain, and it has been—I uh, I don't know who chose it for me—but it was—it's been absolutely foundational, a real peg to sort of hang things on
0: in in life. That, that our work may be not just for the day or this week, but um, a lasting, impactful, eternal piece of work, not just vanishing tomorrow. The Lord is, is our true home. He is. He's our
1: refuge. He's our place of rest. He's the place of welcome and belonging. Jesus said in John 14, I'm going, disciples, I'm going away to prepare a place for you. And I will come again in order to
0: take you away to be with me. So that where I am, you may be also. That was the point. That really is the point of heaven, to be where the Lord is,
1: and we get used to that. We are to get used to that
0: during the course of
1: life now. Many of you, um, not not the guests and visitors probably so much, but uh,
0: many of of you who are with the church for a long time will remember Auntie Nelly. How old was she when she died? 101. I wish one of our cricketers could get that far.
1: (laughs) But actually, towards the end of Auntie Nelly's life,
0: she used to say more than once, I just want to go home. I don't know why the Lord keeps me here. Well, I think we all benefited from her prayer. But she said, I want to go home. I want to go to be with the Lord. This sense that Moses had, that he's trying to teach the children of Israel, had come to be so real for her. Real home is where the Lord is. And this attitude gives us not only confidence for the future, which it does, facing whatever, but it deeply affects our life in the present now. Things we cling on to, things we value, things we want, the way we relate. Real home, where the Lord is. May we be ready to go. May we value our own homes here in the light of that truth. May we learn the wisdom that Moses, the old man, is wanting to pass on to us today. Teach us, Lord, to number our days wisely. We've thought of so many challenges and needs. We've thought of people today in deep crises and others that I've met in just recent days, facing unbelievable situations. Thank you, oh Lord, that you have come to this earth to gather a people for yourself, to change their nature, to make them the people of God, to so show yourself
1: to them that they love you forever. And you've created somewhere
0: where they can find absolute final rest and security refreshment, resources. Lord, teach us to be careful what we love, that we might be wise in how we follow you. For your name's sake. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. The Nigel Lee Archive is brought to you as a podcast by Living Leadership. For more information on the Nigel Lee Archive or Living Leadership's other ministries, please visit www.livingleadership.org. God bless.